0: December 18th, 2020, the Friday of the third week of Advent. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, He did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Due to the length of this Gospel passage, we will comment only up to the words for it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. Having said before this passage, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of her was born Jesus, who is called the Christ, so that none who heard would suppose that his birth was as that of any of the aforementioned fathers. He cuts off the thread of his narrative, saying, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. It is as though he were to say, The birth of all these fathers was as I have related it. But the birth of Jesus Christ did not come about so, but as follows, when his mother Mary was betrothed. He announces that he is to relate the manner of the birth, showing in this that he is about to speak some new thing, so that you may not suppose, when you hear mention of Mary's husband, that Christ was born of the law of nature. But why is he conceived not of a virgin merely, but of a virgin betrothed? First, that by the descent of Joseph, Mary's family might be made known. Second, that she might not be stoned by the Jews as an adulteress. Third, that in her flight into Egypt, she might have the comfort of a husband. The martyr Ignatius adds yet a fourth reason, namely so that his birth might be hidden from the devil, looking for him to be born of a wife and not of a virgin. Therefore, she was both betrothed and still remained at home. For as in her who would conceive in the house of her husband is understood natural conception, so in her who conceives before she is taken to her husband, there is suspicion of infidelity. It is to be known that Helvidius, a certain turbulent man, takes in hand to blaspheme against the mother of God. His first proposition was that Matthew begins when she was betrothed, Behold, he says, you think her to be betrothed and not yet married, but surely she was not betrothed for any other reason than as going to be married. She was indeed betrothed to Joseph, but not united in wedlock, that is to say, his mother immaculate, his mother incorrupt, his mother pure, his mother, whose mother? The mother of God, of the only begotten, of the Lord, of the King, of the Maker of all things, and the Redeemer of all. What will anyone see in the Blessed Virgin more than in other mothers, if she is not the Mother of God, but of Christ, or the Lord, as the heretic Nestorius says? For it would not be absurd should anyone please to name the mother of any anointed person the Mother of Christ, since Christ means anointed. Yet she alone, and more than them, is called the Holy Virgin and the Mother of Christ. For she bore not a simple man, as you say, but rather the Word incarnate, and made man of God the Father. But perhaps you say, Tell me, do you think the Virgin was made the mother of His divinity? To this also we say, that the Word was born of the very substance of God Himself, and without beginning of time always coexisted with the Father. But in these last times, when He was made flesh, that is, united to flesh, having a rational soul, He is said to be born of a woman after the flesh. Yet this mystery is in a way accomplished like birth among us. For the mothers of earthly children impart to their nature that flesh that is to be perfected by degrees in the human form. But God sends the soul into the animal. But though these are mothers only of the earthly bodies and not of the souls, still when they bear children, they are said to bear the whole animal and not the body only. Such do we see to have been done in the birth of Emmanuel, The Word of God was born of the substance of his Father, but because he took on himself flesh, making it his own, it is necessary to confess that he was born of a woman according to the flesh. Seeing that he is truly God, how shall anyone doubt to call the Holy Virgin the Mother of God? If you are not confounded when you hear of the birth of God, let not his conception disturb you, seeing the pure virginity of the Mother removes all that might shock human reverence. And what offense against our awe and reverence is there when the deity entered into union with purity that was already dear to him, where an angel is mediator, faith is bridesmaid, where chastity is the giving away, virtue the gift, conscience the judge, God the cause, where the conception is inviolateness, the birth virginity, and the mother a virgin? But if we were to say that the holy body of Christ came down from heaven and was not made of his mother, as the heretic Valentinus does, in what sense could Mary be the mother of God? Next, the name of his mother is added, Mary. Mary is interpreted as meaning star of the sea in Hebrew and lady in Syriac, since she bore into the world the light of salvation, and hence is a star, and the Lord, and hence is a lady. And to whom she was betrothed is shown, saying to Joseph, Mary was therefore betrothed to a carpenter, because Christ, the spouse of the church, was to work the salvation of all men through the wood of the cross. What follows, but before they lived together, is more literally translated, before they came together, and does not mean before she was brought to the bridegroom's house, for she was already within. For it was a frequent custom among the ancients to have their betrothed wives home in their house before marriage, as we see done now also, and as the sons-in-law of Lot were with him in the house. But the words come together denote sexual relations, that he would not be born of passion, of flesh and blood, who was therefore born that he might take away all passion of flesh and blood. There were no sexual relations in this wedlock, because in sinful flesh this could not be without carnal desire, which came from sin, and which he would be without, who was to be without sin. Christ was also born of a pure virgin, because it was not holy that virtue should be born of pleasure, chastity of self indulgence, incorruption of corruption. Nor could he come from heaven except in some new manner, who came to destroy the ancient empire of death. Therefore she received the crown of virginity, who bore the king of chastity. Furthermore, our Lord sought out for himself a virgin abode in which to be received that he might show us that God ought to be born in a chaste body. Therefore, he that wrote on tables of stone without an iron pen, the same conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit. And so it is said, She was found with child through the Holy Spirit, and found by none other than by Joseph, who knew all as being her betrothed husband. For, as a credible account relates, Joseph was absent when the things were done which Luke writes about the angel coming to Mary. For it is not easy to suppose that the angel came to Mary and said those words, and Mary made her answer when Joseph was present. And even if we suppose this much to have been possible, yet it could not be that she would have gone into the hill country and abode there three months when Joseph was present, because he must have inquired the causes of her departure and long stay. And so, when after so many months he returned from abroad, he found her manifestly with child, he says exactly, was found. For this is how we speak of things not thought of. And that you should not bother the evangelist by asking in what way was this birth of a virgin, he clears himself shortly, saying, through the Holy Spirit, as much as to say it was the Holy Spirit who worked this miracle. For neither Gabriel nor Matthew could say any further. Therefore the words, through the Holy Spirit, were set down by the evangelist, so that when it was said that she was with child, all wrong suspicions should be removed from the mind of the hearers. But we are not to suppose, as some impiously think, that the Holy Spirit was like semen, but we say that he worked with the power and might of a creator. The words, through the Holy Spirit, mean that Mary was with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, this manner in which Christ was born of the Holy Spirit suggests to us the grace of God by which man, without any previous merits, in the very beginning of his nature, was united with the word of God into so great a unity of person, that he was also made Son of God. But inasmuch as the whole Trinity worked to make this creature which was conceived of the Virgin, though pertaining only to the person of the Son, for the works of the Trinity are indivisible, why is only the Holy Spirit named in this work? Must we always, when one of the three is named in any work, understand that the whole trinity worked in that? But the heretic Helvidius says that the evangelist would not have said before they came together, if they were not to come together afterwards, as none would say before dinner, when there was going to be no dinner. As if one should say, before I dined in harbour, I set sail for Africa. Would this have no meaning in it unless he were at some times or other to dine in the harbour? Surely we must either understand it thus, That before, though it often implies something to follow, yet often is said of things that follow only in thought. And it is not necessary that the things so thought of should take place, for something else has happened to prevent them from taking place. Therefore, it by no means follows that they did come together afterwards. Scripture, however, does not show what did happen. Or the words, come together, may not mean sexual relations, but may refer to the time of the nuptials when she who was betrothed begins to be wife. Thus, before they came together, may mean before they solemnly celebrated the nuptial rites. How Mary conceived, Matthew omits to write, but Luke chapter 1 relates after the conception of John, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent, and again, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. This is what Matthew relates in these words, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. And it is no contradiction that Luke has described what Matthew omits, or again, that Matthew relates what Luke has omitted. The evangelist, having said that she was found with child through the Holy Spirit and without relations with man, so that you should not in this suspect Christ's disciple of inventing wonders in honor of his master, brings forward Joseph confirming the history by his own share in it. And so it is said, Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, Joseph, understanding that Mary was with child, is perplexed that it should be thus with her whom he had received from the temple of the Lord and had not yet had relations with, and resolved within himself, saying, What shall I do? Shall I proclaim it, or shall I overlook it? If I proclaim it, I am indeed not consenting to the adultery. But I am running into the guilt of cruelty, for by Moses' law she must be stoned. If I overlook it, I am consenting to the crime and take my portion with the adulterers. Since then it is an evil to overlook the things and worse to proclaim the adultery, I will divorce her. St. Matthew has beautifully taught how a righteous man ought to act, who has detected his wife's disgrace, so as at once to keep himself guiltless of her blood and yet pure from her defilements. Therefore, he says, since he was a righteous man, Thus is preserved throughout in Joseph the gracious character of a righteous man, that his testimony may be the more approved. For, as it says in Psalm 37, the mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. But how is Joseph called righteous when he is ready to hide his wife's sin? For the law enacts that not only the doers of evil, but they who are privy to any evil done, shall be held to be guilty. But it should be known that righteous, here, is used to denote one who is in all things virtuous. For there is a particular righteousness, namely being free from covetousness, and another universal virtue, in which sense scripture generally uses the word righteousness. Therefore, being righteous, that is, kind and merciful, he decided to divorce her quietly. Her who, according to the law, was liable not only to divorce, but to death. But Joseph remitted both, as though living above the law. For as the sun lightens up the world before he shows his rays, so Christ before he was born caused many wonders to be seen. Otherwise, if you alone have knowledge of a sin that any has committed against you and desire to accuse him of it before men, you do not in this correct him, but rather betray him. But Joseph, since he was a righteous man, with great mercy spared his wife in this great crime of which he suspected her. The seeming certainty of her unchastity tormented him, and yet because he alone knew of it, he was not willing to make it public, but to send her away quietly, seeking rather the benefit than the punishment of the sinner. Or this may be considered a testimony to Mary, that Joseph, confident in her purity and wondering at what had happened, covered in silence the mystery which she could not explain he beheld her to be with child, whom he knew to be chaste. And because he had read in Isaiah chapter 11, But a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, of which he knew that Mary had come, and had also read in Isaiah chapter 7, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. He did not doubt that this prophecy would be fulfilled in her. But if he had no suspicion of her, how could he be a righteous man, and yet seek to divorce her, being immaculate? He sought to divorce her because he saw in her a great mystery, which he thought himself unworthy to approach. Or, in seeking to divorce, he was righteous, in that he sought it quietly, is shown his mercy, defending her from disgrace. Since he was a righteous man, he decided to divorce her, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, and so to disgrace her, he sought to do it quietly. Or, being unwilling to bring her home to his house to live with him forever, he decided to divorce her quietly, that is, to change the time of their marriage. For that is true virtue, when neither mercy is observed without justice, nor justice without mercy, which both vanish when severed from one another. Or he was righteous because of his faith, in that he believed that Christ should be born of a virgin, and so he wished to humble himself before so great a favor. Because Joseph was minded, as was said, to divorce Mary quietly, which if he had done, most would have thought her a prostitute rather than a virgin, therefore this purpose of Joseph was changed by divine revelation. And so it is said, such was his intention when, this is more literally translated as, but as he considered this. In this is to be noted the wise soul that desires to undertake nothing rashly, but considers everything beforehand. Also observe the mercifulness of Joseph, that he imparted his suspicions to no one not even to her whom he suspected, but kept them within himself. Yet though Joseph considered these things, let not Mary, the daughter of David, be troubled. As the word of the prophet brought pardon to David, so the angel of the Savior delivers Mary. Behold, again appears Gabriel, the bridesman of this virgin. As it follows, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. In this word, appeared, is conveyed the power of him that did appear allowing himself to be seen where and how he pleases. How the angel appeared to Joseph is declared in the words, in a dream. That is just how Jacob saw the latter offered by a kind of imagining to the eyes of his heart in Genesis chapter 28. He did not appear so openly to Joseph as to the shepherds because he was faithful. The shepherds needed it because they were ignorant. The virgin also needed it, as she had first to be instructed in these mighty wonders. In like manner, Zechariah needed the wonderful vision before the conception of his son. The angel appearing calls him by name and adds his descent in order to banish fear, Joseph, son of David. He says Joseph as though he were known to him by name and his familiar friend. By addressing him as son of David, he sought to recall to his memory the promise of God to David that of his descendant should Christ be born. But by saying, Do not be afraid, he shows Joseph to be in fear that he had offended God by having an adulterous wife, for only as such would he have ever thought of divorcing her. As her betrothed husband, also he is admonished not to be afraid for her sake, for the mind that has compassion has the most fear. It is as though he were to say, Here is no cause of death, but of life. She that brings forth life does not deserve death. Also, by the words, Do not be afraid, the angel desired to show that he knew the heart, that by this Joseph might have the more faith in those good things to come, which he was about to speak concerning Christ. Be not troubled that he calls her his wife, for she is not in this robbed of her virginity, but her wedlock is witnessed to, and the celebration of her marriage is declared. But we are not to think that she ceased to be betrothed, because she is here called wife. Since we know that this is the way Scripture calls the man and woman who are betrothed, namely husband and wife, he says, Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, that is, to keep her at home, for in thought she was already dismissed, or to take her, that is, in marriage union and continual cohabitation. There were three reasons why the angel appeared to Joseph with this message first, that a righteous man might not be led into an unjust action with just intentions. Second, for the honor of the mother herself, for had she been divorced, she could not have been free from evil suspicion among the unbelievers. Third, that Joseph, understanding the Holy Conception, might keep himself from her with more care than before. He did not appear to Joseph before the conception that he should not think those things that Zechariah thought, nor suffer what he suffered in falling into the sin of unbelief concerning the conception of his wife in her old age. For it was yet more incredible that a virgin should conceive than that a woman past her age should conceive. Or the angel appeared to Joseph when he was in this perplexity that his wisdom might be apparent to Joseph and that this might be a proof to him of those things that he spoke. For when he heard out of the mouth of the angel those very things that he thought within himself, this was an undoubted proof that he was a messenger from God who alone knows the secrets of the heart. Also, the account of the evangelist is beyond suspicion, as he describes Joseph feeling all that a husband was likely to feel. The virgin also by this was more removed from suspicion in that her husband had felt jealousy, yet took her home and kept her with him after her conception. She had not told Joseph the things that the angel had said to her because she did not suppose that she should be believed by her husband, especially as he had begun to have suspicions concerning her but to the virgin the angel announced her conception before it took place lest if he should defer it till afterwards she should be in a difficult condition and it behooved that mother who was to receive the maker of all things to be kept free from all trouble not only does the angel vindicate the virgin from all impurity but shows that the conception was supernatural not removing joseph's fears only but adding matter of joy saying for it is through the holy spirit that this child has been conceived in her But if Christ was born by the agency of the Holy Spirit, how is it said in Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom has built her house, since we know that Christ is wisdom? That house may be taken in two meanings. First, the house of Christ is the church, which he built with his own blood. And second, his body may be called his house, as it is called his temple. But the work of the Holy Spirit is also the work of the Son of God, because of the unity of their nature and their will. For whether it be the Father, or the Son, or the Holy Spirit that does it, it is the Trinity that works, and what the three do is of one God. But shall we therefore say that the Holy Spirit is the Father of the man Christ, that as God the Father begot the Word, so the Holy Spirit begot the man? This is such an absurdity, that the ears of the faithful cannot bear it. How then do we say that Christ was conceived through the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit did not beget him? Did he create him? For so far as he is man, he was created. For though God made the world, still it is not right to say that the world is the Son of God or born by him, but that it was made or created or formed by him. But seeing that we confess Christ to have been conceived through the Holy Spirit and of the Virgin Mary, how is he not the Son of the Holy Spirit? as he is the son of the virgin. It does not follow that whatever is conceived by anything is therefore to be called the son of that thing. For certainly those that are born of water and the Spirit in baptism, none would call sons of water, but sons of God their Father, and their mother the Church. Thus Christ was born of the Holy Spirit, and yet is the Son of God the Father, not of the Holy Spirit